prior to the COVID-19 disruption, Australia had almost 30 years of uninterrupted growth. And that was because it is a country that is innovative, wants to be at the frontiers of science and technology, will try things. But it's also because it was constantly refreshing its talent pool. Welcome to the Going Global podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employment platform, powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with a 98% customer satisfaction rating. Globalization Partners, succeed faster. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders in high growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host, Diego Mendiburu, and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. On today's show, we're interviewing Peter Vowe, the Prime Minister's Special Envoy for Global Business and Talent Attraction in Australia. Peter leads the Global Business and Talent Attraction Task Force, which is driving a whole-of-government effort to attract high-value enterprises and exceptionally talented individuals to Australia to help turbocharge the economy recovery from COVID-19 boost national resilience, and drive competitiveness. Hello, Peter, and welcome. Hello, Diego. It's great to be here. So, Peter, how has the era of remote work changed the way both companies and countries search for and acquire talent? How would you describe the remote work revolution from an Australian perspective? Well, thanks. Well, COVID-19 has disrupted the world and it's shaken the uh, kaleidoscope. And it's not going to be unshaken. So people are, are taking a quite a different approach to their careers. And that, that means they're looking into the future, they're being more strategic. They want a package of benefits. What they want most of all is more choice. And they want to see whether it's a country or a company that that place has a plan for them and that they can fit into that plan. And you know, it's basically a new contract that's being written these days between employers and employees. And more specifically, why is Australia particularly attractive for people seeking to keep working remotely or to companies that want to hire more people remotely? Do you think Australia is particularly well adapted to this remote uh, work revolution? Absolutely. This COVID-19 disruption period has provided an x-ray of countries, societies, communities. And people can look at that x-ray and make an assessment about whether a country is resilient, whether it has a clear idea of its future, whether it supports innovation and people, whether it's building ecosystems. And we believe Australia is a country that can make a very, very strong case uh, in favour of these, these key strategic issues. And we know that uh, this global talent visa that we mm. offered is... Visas are like apps. It's an app for taking talent capital and moving it from one place to another. And people mm. make an assessment not just about the country and the company, but the, the app itself. And because we offer permanent residence to an exceptionally talented individual, somebody who's a leader in their field in the world, and that permanent residence applies to their partner and mm. their kids, this is a very attractive package. 
So would you say that this global talent visa is the main tool that Australia is using to capture global talent and exceptional individuals? It is the main tool because it's a reimagining of visa systems. Most old-fashioned visa systems, and Australia still has the, the traditional visa system, similar mm. to most countries, based on vocational categories, hydraulic engineers, electrical engineers, and they're upgrading them to deal with you know, machine learning and cybersecurity and the rest of it. The thing is, in societies that are now driven by science and technology, these old categories can be changed, but are they really keeping pace? The Global Talent Visa treats talent as capital and assesses the individual for that talent. So when people use the Global Talent Visa, they're effectively, it's effectively a job application for Australia. And we ask them to be nominated by somebody themselves who's credible in that field. And so, yes, I think that this, it's a unique form of opening a door to a country and assessing people in a different manner. And we know that people appreciate this. I mean, they don't want to just be judged on the basis that they've got a university degree in a particular area. Mm. They want to be judged on the basis that they have that networks, that they've, they've got some experience, that they've produced, you know, they've created things as well. And this is a much better assessment about the individual as a package of, of talents and experience rather than the old-fashioned approach. And during this COVID period, we've, the Australian government has issued 18,000 global talent visas despite the disruption, despite borders, despite the fact that people's, you know, there's sometimes not been as much clarity about where the world is going. People have been able to look through that and say, I want to be part of the Australian story and this global talent visa is going to help us get into Australia. You just mentioned something that I wanted to ask you uh, later on, but I think I'll do it right now. I want to understand, you know, uh, how governments like the Australian one, what are they doing to attract highly skilled workers, but not only that, but also young people that might be still studying or haven't begun their professional careers. And also what about opportunities for digital nomads or people that have acquired skills through self-learning, you know? Well, let's answer your question in two parts. First, it's the process. How is that different? And this visa gateway, this app, is different in the sense that there is a human that you can speak to about the visa. And I encourage everybody to go to our website, globalaustralia.gov.au, and you can see the contact points. And rather than just making an application and being in this long queue and auction systems and piling up pieces of, you know, attaching PDFs to unfriendly computer platforms. The first point of contact for us is to speak with one of our absolutely fantastic global talent officers uh, in the US. There are, there are two there waiting to provide advice to the individual as to whether they'd fit into this program or maybe they fit into a different program. We have other visa categories. And so that's the first thing. The second is that Australia is a country that welcomes international talent and it has during the entire post-war period, by which I mean the Second World War. Uh, Canada is famous for being a multicultural society. 20% of all Canadians were born overseas in this generation. Well, the number for Australia is 30%. 30% of all Australians were born overseas in this generation. And if we look at somebody like me, you know, my, my dad was a Dutch, mother Irish background, you know, that's more than half the country. So this, this is a nation 
which embraces uh, international talent for the purpose of unlocking our own fantastic homegrown talent. And that's the deal. The deal is don't come here because we'll give you a great job and, you know, Australia's a lifestyle superpower and there's great beaches and the rest of it. No, the deal is help shape the Australian story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say uh, one final thing on this, uh, Diego. I don't want to bang on too much about it, but prior to the COVID-19 disruption, Australia had almost 30 years of uninterrupted growth. And that was because it is a country that is innovative, wants to be at the frontiers of science and technology, will try things. But it's also because it was constantly refreshing its talent pool and adding in the best of the world and joining it with our absolutely fantastic alumni from our universities, returning expats and uh, homegrown citizens. And we're doubling down on that formula for this, you know, as a vaccinated, a highly vaccinated economy. The question all countries are asking is, you know, how are we going to get that productivity boost? How are we going to get greater social capital? How are we going to make sure that we're a big contributor to a clean energy revolution? And the Australian approach is to have a very clear plan, which is really being a leader in the fourth industrial revolution. But this time it's a digital revolution driven by clean uh, energy and that we're embracing the best and brightest in the world to help us get there faster. And now that you mentioned the fourth industrial revolution, can you explain to our audience what are the characteristics of this stage and what Australian companies and sectors better represent uh, this uh, fourth industrial revolution, the best examples of Australian innovation? Well, the fourth industrial revolution is really, well, most people describe it as a digital revolution using the digital and data science and quantum technologies, but also, you know, biosciences as a means of driving economic growth, but also more, a swifter commercialization, or it's probably best to say, turning great ideas into practical applications in society. And this is completely different from the original, the first, second and third industrial revolutions, which are based on steam or power and fairly primitive computers. And what this means is there needs to be an even greater emphasis on creating new knowledge and being our hubs and ecosystems for the creation of that knowledge and then making it, you know, converting that into practical outcomes for people as quickly as possible. So that's why Australia makes such a huge investment in its education system, both in dollars but also really encouraging the creation of these innovative hubs, you know, incubators of, of, mm. of knowledge. And we're also saying that, you know, in the last 30 years, maybe we could have done a lot more to interface business and the community and the research and academic world better. And some other countries probably did that a bit better than us. And so we want to make sure that this next 30 years of uninterrupted growth is really driven by a greater synthesis interoperability between great thinkers, the community which benefits from that thinking, and government leadership and private sector companies. So what that means is that we need lots more people with quite diverse skills. A, that's more exciting. B, it creates more opportunity. But it also means that we want to keep up the importing of global talents into Australia. 
based on your experience, what do you think are the key learnings for other countries, for countries in general, looking to expand their pool of highly skilled talent and to upgrade their labor force? Or in other words, what are the lessons you have learned? What is the best way to do it? Well, I'd be the last person to provide advice to all the governments and, you know, Australia likes to, doesn't know, like to be loud and noisy. And, you know, maybe that's one of our, our, our problems. We're too quiet. But maybe, so maybe I'll answer the second part of your question. What is it that people are looking for? What is it that pioneering companies are learning for? And that's firstly a country that has a strong commitment to social cohesion, to spreading wealth, to, to, to giving people an opportunity to make the most of their own talent and their experiences to help them realise their aspirations. And that is definitely the case uh, with Australia. The second thing is that people look for a plan. They want to have a country which is, has a vision of the, of the future and knows what it wants to do in clean energy. So what does that mean? How can we make sure that we're investing in green hydrogen, for instance, that we're doing more in terms of the solar? I know Australia is huge in solar and will be big in hydrogen as well. So what is the plan? Can it be implemented? And is that, are those support systems there? One of the things we do with the Global Talent Visa for the individuals, but also the pioneering firms that we welcome in, is introduce them to the ecosystems as quickly as possible. I think that if people get into the airport and you give them a piece of paper or the firm arrives and you say, well, you know, there's the city, that is not going to be as effective as saying, you know, here's a landing place. Here's how you can immediately connect to universities and jobs and talent and fellow thinkers and capital. And that, that's the approach that we, that we take. And I, I think that they're, they're really important uh, elements to this, the cookbook, really, that you're, you're talking about. I suppose the final one is don't take a set and forget approach. Constantly calibrate the, 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 the system and uh, change it to meet uh, circumstances. And we've just seen from COVID-19 that just ploughing on with the same old approach is going to produce failure. Can you share what strategies is the task force implementing to specifically attract global female talent or women in tech? And as obvious as it may be, why do you think this is particularly relevant? It is, it is one of our top priorities. Gender balance is important for the reason that women are unbelievably talented. I don't know, Diego. I think that maybe the, the joint might be better off if it was run by more women than us. But let's let the markets work that out. But that can't happen until opportunities are given to women from boards to scientific institutions through not-for-profits and governments them, themselves. And, you know, Australia has been a real leader in this area. If you look at the ratios of... Uh, I won't bore you with a bunch of numbers, but when I was in the U.S., Last December, I looked at, you know, how many women are leading fintech startups, for instance, in Australia, mm -hmm. compared to the US or Europe. So, you know, I'm not in a boasting here to, to, to boast, but it's double the numbers of those, those countries. But what we're doing is not enough. So one of the huge programs that we're running at the moment is working with organisations like Dream Collective with their She Dares campaign, which is going out to women in STEM in Asia, and just saying, you know, have a look at the opportunities that Australia offers. We're not saying, like, you should do this. We're saying, 
we know that you want to have choice. Here is a choice. This is what the choice looks like. You, there is a great future for you and your family if you're interested in the family, partners and networks uh, in this country and our science and technology organisations. So Science and Technology Australia have a, a, you know, a superstars of STEM program. You know, it's all women. <laughs> and so there is a big emphasis on saying to women around the world, but at the moment, you know, we've got a big focus on Asia and saying that Australia is a country that is going to be at the frontiers, already is at the frontiers of science and technology, is committed to it, and there is a wonderful role for you here. And I think that, and this is a program that will never end. I mean, we just need to keep going and going and going more. I mean, we, we saw from the corporate world 10 years ago, you know, having one woman, woman on a board, you know, that's just the, the worst form of tokenism. The real benefits of changing the perspectives mm. of boards, changing the way they see the culture, creating a feeder system so that you've got diversity in the organisations occurs when there is balance. And that's what we're absolutely committed to. So we've been talking about the opportunities, mostly about the opportunities for individuals. So I guess we can now talk about the opportunities for companies and how that links to the Global Talent Visa program. So, you know, which are Australia's competitive advantages for innovative and high growth companies and how that links with the Global Talent Visa program? Um, well, it's been interesting. We've been using this COVID period to load the bases, to speak to a lot of companies and say, when the world's borders open, see Australia as an opportunity. And even in the last few weeks with, the, with Australia's borders fully open, um, they've been open for, uh, since the last, last year, but fully open now, more than a dozen firms have already announced moving to Australia. Why is that? Firstly, the Australian domestic market is quite large. Australia's the 11th, 12th largest economy on the world. So it's large, you know, it's, it's good. It's a great place for experimentation. But it's also, it's not a gateway to Asia. Australia is part of Asia. 70%, 70% of all of the food made in Australia is exported to the world. Most of that goes to Asia. All of our power, our raw materials, you look at Japan, 40% of Japan's power comes from Asia. But Australia is also a huge financial technology center. It's now a pioneer in artificial intelligence, quantum computing, biosciences, photonics, you name it. These are reasons to come to Australia. But I think that the biggest reason that firms have, have been attracted to this country, apart from what I've mentioned before, having a plan, having a fantastic workforce, which is multi-talented and multicultural, providing a good business a regulatory regime with, with certainty for IP, a state, very stable rule of law and the rest of it, is that the world's geopolitical compass is realigning and US firms in particular see the opportunity to diversify their operation to Australia as a means of gaining a bigger share of Asia. Asia is the growth hub of the planet. You know, Europe's middle class is shrinking by 4,000 people a day. Asia's is growing by nearly 370,000 people a day. Uh, Asia is, is the, the pace of urbanization continues. There, there's a new San Diego in Asia every 21 days, every 21 days. And, you know, this creates a demand for products and services, and that's the attraction of Australia because it, it's part of 
the Asian economy, and that's why firms are coming here. But uh, other firms like um, satellite firms and rockets and, uh, you know, basically a civil space economy, Australia has two other advantages. It's location. We have a lot of space, which is close to space. (laughs) And as I mentioned before, when you add up all of the economic reasons and the scientific reasons and our track record or whatever, then you just add on to that the fact that Australia is still a lifestyle superpower. There is no other place which is better to live in. And that is what's attracting these firms because the firms will make a rational uh, set of decisions, but they're also going to say, is this a country that's going to support my people and be a magnet for talent? And the answer for Australia is definitely yes. So why would Australia be a great place for a company to establish in case they want to start doing more business all over the Asia-Pacific region? You just mentioned that, you know, it's not only the entrance, but it is part of it. But why establish central offices, for example, in Australia and not in another part of of the Asia-Pacific region? What what makes it special? Well, the countries tell us, sorry, the companies tell us that they like the rule of law. It is stable. It is a democracy. It is an open society. It's a country that believes in markets. So that's really important. Now, there are many other countries in Asia which are big and have uh, democracies and uh, whatever. They're attractive places. Uh, There's no question about that. But what else do we provide? We provide that opportunity for diversification that I mentioned before. And there's also the fact that Australia is a great place to build ecosystems and networks and families at the same time. I mean, if there's one defining characteristic of Australia is that is it is it easy to do business because you can start up the firm quickly and get bank accounts and all that stuff? Yes. But what's even better, that it's a society that welcomes people and that means you can build ecosystems. You can build communities of interest. And that's very hard to replicate in other countries. Now, I'm not saying that there are places in Asia where you can do that. I've lived in many of them. It's fantastic. But Australia has the longest track record in doing so. And it's also a country that has its own domestic market as well as the export opportunities, which means, and many firms like this idea, that they can experiment with new new products. I mean, why are so many new movies tested in Australia? Because, you know, it's a great little subset of Mm. a successful middle-class nation that enjoys the best things of life. And this is a big attractor for global firms. So what is your top advice for entrepreneurs that want to establish their business in Australia? What what would be the first thing you would recommend them to do? The absolute first thing is we'll help you do your homework. So there's no need to Google Photonics Australia opportunities. Uh, You can come to that website I mentioned before, www.globalaustralia.gov.au. We have a dedicated agency in Australia called Austrade, and we can link you up with an Austrade officer. There are dozens of them around the world who understand Australia, and what they will do, what we will do working with them, is to explore the key issues. Is there a marketplace in Australia for your particular business? What are the growth opportunities? What are the costs of setting up a business? How much does it cost to run a business? Are there, is there the talent there that you're looking for? Can you get your key people into Australia to do the startup? 
uh, to which the answer is, is, is yes, by the way. We have a specific different visa for that, a beachhead visa. There are grants and incentives that are available to a company when they become an Australian company as well. Which of those grants and incentives are appropriate? Is there help the, in terms of determining what sort of corporate structure we should establish in Australia because you know, maybe it's different from the US or Canadian or Brazilian or European structures? And also, how can we do this as seamlessly, as friction-free, as pain-free as possible? Now, you can't ask Siri to do that and you can't just down, try and download the information and guess. We have humans extraordinarily talented in Austrade to help do that. We have people in our visa people in home affairs, our global talent offices that will deal with the, with the human side of it as well. So my advice is phone a friend and that's the Austrade officer and the global talent officer and we can do that. And there's one point of contact. You can come to our website to do that. Can you share some success stories of startups, businesses, or even talented individuals that have found success in expanding or establishing themselves in Australia? Some more personal stories about the businesses or the individuals. Well, let's do a firm and let's let's do uh, some people. So the firm, I'll just give the most recent one, uh, Brightmark, this last weekend. They've uh, come to Australia. They're a recycling uh, company. Australia has a very strong commitment to the circular economy. We have some fantastic firms, but... No, we're all, always willing to, to learn. That is, uh, and they're going into regional Australia. You know, it's not one of our big big cities. They're going into uh, a place in New South Wales uh, called Parks. And that's a $260 million Australian uh, dollar. So what's it like? Two, 200, two, let's call it 200 million US. A, a very considerable amount of, of money. And they're going to bring in their key people. They're going to employ lots of Aussies. They're going to a place which is specifically designated as a transport hub that has all of the, the feedstock that they need for that business. And all of that has been concierged for them. So that's just one example. And there's a heap more cognizant is, I mean, they're employing 1,600 people they're going to employ in Adelaide, one of our southern cities. One of the advantages of Australia is that there's a smaller number of big cities and Sydney is what five and a half million you know a place like Adelaide is you know a, a nice size is 1.2 1.3 million many firms would say you know I prefer to have that size rather than a, a, a big city so that's the firm on the on the people side if you go to that website that I mentioned before globalaustralia.gov.au there's a tab there called recent arrivals and there's a story there's stories of a hundred or so people it's growing every day because I mean, we've got 18,000 global talent visas. But these are people who've said, uh, I'm happy to tell the world that I've come to Australia. This is my the reason I've come to Australia. And here's how I think it's going. And so these are all, it's better than me saying stuff. This is them in their own words. And uh, many of them are videos. So I encourage people to check that out. But, you know, I'll give a couple of recent examples of people that I've met in the last few days when I've been traveling individuals who've come from India or China, the US, and a lot of people have come from those countries into the US and then back to us. Who should I, uh, who's public? So Jill, Jill Subit, for instance, she is a, there are only, what, two or three people who are navigators. Interplanetary navigator was her title. I think, Diego, that would be, we'd love to have that title. And there's only like a couple, and she's, she's one of them. She and her partner came to Australia 
and we love that even better. That's like that's a that's a that's a job lot. You get both and the the, the family. And she's come here because she's with her partner, and both of them are cons- want to be part of this Australian story in 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 space and the civil economy and satellites and rockets. But you know, joining it all 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 together, and she's just dead keen to be sharing her unbelievable knowledge and her contacts and her networks to forge new frontiers. So that's that's one example. But we've got heaps of people in quantum and cyber and AI and hydrogen and robotics and food technologies. I mean, it's incredibly exciting. All of them, I'm just blown away whenever I meet them. And the majority of them are young young people. I mean, that question you asked before, you know, digital nomads, yeah, we welcome digital nomads. But, you know, we've got another visa for them. The Global Talent Visa is about setting down roots, is about becoming a permanent resident. But one of the good things about digital nomads and other people on temporary visas is they come here and they take a look and they go, you know what, I, I don't want to go back. I want to stay. And now that I've had a close look, they got to try before they buy. And we encourage people to convert from that temporary basis once they've had a look to the permanent basis, but as long as they're good for Australia as well. I mean, we make, unashamedly, we say that this global talent visa is effectively a contract. Giving permanent residence, introducing people to ecosystems is a huge benefit, especially in a world which is becoming more polarised and who knows what's going to happen with, you know, COVID-24, COVID-25, other forms of disruption. It's a great advantage to be in a country as stable but as, as progressive with so much opportunity as Australia. But we want their talents and their experiences as well. So it's, it's, it's a contract. And when that alignment takes place, that's when the magic happens. Do you have any services, strategies, tools that you would recommend to companies thinking about expanding into Australia to help them do it you know, quickly, compliantly, understanding the market, understanding what Australians want? Do you have any recommendations? Absolutely. Step one, go to that website, globalaustralia.gov.au, because it's specifically designed to answer the question, why Australia? Reach out to the concierge service, because we don't think one size fits all. We think that the, the case for Australia needs to be customised for each one of those firms to work out whether, in fact, Australia is right for them. If it isn't, then let's, let's not waste the time of that company or their leadership or their, their people or ours as well. And so that triaging uh, process, you know, that's what we strongly recommend. And as I mentioned before, there's, there's a very talented human to help make that happen. That's, that's the advice. Well, Peter, thank you very much for this conversation. I really appreciate, you know, your capacity to use numbers and figures to make us understand why Australia is such an attractive place to do business and for people to start a new life there. So thank you very much for your time, Peter. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all episodes on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts and in our website. So if you are planning to hire a new global team member, Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. Welcome to the Going Global Podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employment platform powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with a 98% customer satisfaction rating. 
Globalization Partners. Succeed faster.